sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Wednesday, August 12th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, as always, live and direct, helping me put the fun in functional sports content. Kevin, I know most days we start by talking about the games, the lines, everything you need to know bright and early in the morning to make it a profitable day. But we have to talk about what's going on in college sports and specifically in college football, Kevin. We're going to have our guy, Mike Blewett, from Football Full Circle, you know, join the show tomorrow to really get deep into this. But we got to let everybody know, Kev, I mean, yesterday, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 decided to, I'll use the word postpone for now, postpone their college football seasons, hoping to come back in the spring. Kev, I think this is the first big-time domino to fall, in essence, for the entire NCAA, for all of four fall sports, for college athletics in general, to never look the same. What do you think is going to happen? This story is moving and it is huge. Yeah, it is an undeniable big story that will have ripple effects that we probably wouldn't even come anywhere near being able to list all of them. Now, an immediate one that certainly is applicable to this show, the entirety of the college football betting market has been taken down by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Just to give yeah. perspective as to how little anybody knows uh, what is really to come for this sport, the entirety of the betting market has come down. And that's because there's no Ohio State, right? That's because there's no Oregon. There's no Stanford. Right. There's no Michigan. There's no Penn State, right? So there there's no Justin so Fields and the Heisman battle yeah, voting, right? Right. I mean, there's, there's just so many unknowns that now come with this decision. And, the, and the, again, you know, what does this spring season look like? How feasible is it? Will teams in the Big Ten, oh, yeah. have, you know, voted against this decision, try and move to the Big 12? Will players that uh, look to transfer, mm -hmm. will players keep their eligibility? Will, what will players, right. you know, how many will want to participate in the springs? I mean, there are so many follow-up questions that comes from what is probably right now the biggest story in the sports world. No, absolutely, Kevin. I got to tell you the truth. Here's what I'm reminded of, okay? Before we were doing this show together, all right? Right before the pandemic really kind of took hold. Kev, I was literally on air live doing my other show, Fantasy Freestyle. Do you remember when, like, heading into March Madness, all the conference tournaments didn't know if they wanted to play, but yet in the Big East, they had St. John's and Creighton get on out there in Madison Square Garden and then didn't come out for the second half, right? The ACC mm -hmm. was like, ah, oh, we don't know, we don't know. That is, to your point, 
There is no central leadership. There is no unifying voice here so that we know what is going on. That's what's allowing these conferences to make an independent decision or potentially universities themselves to make an independent decision because the NCAA and Mark Emmerich have no kind of unifying authority or communication or position on this. So they're out at running at it for themselves, whether it's conferences or schools, in the same way that with this pandemic, states and mayors and cities had to do something because of a lack of a universal national policy. As we welcome our radio audience from around the country right here to SportsGrid, Dave Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, you raise incredible questions. That's what I have also, because we heard yesterday, Nebraska is out there being like, eh, if the conference don't want to play, We'll play. We'll find a way. We've heard a bunch of coaches, Nick Saban included, saying like they, the players should come onto campus. They're safer here than they are out there on their own living their 19, 20 year old lives. And to be quite honest, I buy some of that, Kev, you know, that under the construct of the team facility and the structure of being a college athlete, it may be safer. But you raise some interesting questions, right? If you're a player, for one of these schools. And I don't know, you're projected to be a fourth round pick, but you think if you have a great season, there's a pot of gold Mm -hmm. at the end of the rainbow. Do you transfer to one of these schools that are going to play down South? Maybe Um, if you're a university, do you do that? Is there eligibility issues going on? If you're a first round draft pick right now, are you saying to hell with this? I'm just going to IMG Academy and training. Like, are we, only months away from all the big time schools being in one pot of like 32 teams and just playing a, you know, power five kind of uh, region. How do you think this is wind up going to look? Cause it's going to look different. Kev. I mean, think about Joe Burrow, who was the number one overall pick. Where do you think yes. Joe Burrow sat in mock drafts before this right. past season at LSU? But here's the other issue. This isn't a, this isn't uniform. So if a player from the Big right. Ten says, I'm transferring, well, if they have to sit out a year, well, it's a waste of time. Don't transfer at this point. Who knows? Maybe you'll get a chance to right. put something on film during the spring. But also, are you going to be able to play during the spring if the draft is on the draft and you right. need to get ready for a combine? Also, how does spring football necessarily work if we then have to get to a next season that I'm sure they're not going to want to delay? So there are so many things that they have to figure out logistically for these athletes. But also the fact that we still have three of the power five, apparently with different doctors, with different information, (laughs) being able to say, we're going to push it through. How? Where? Why? Who? I think it also speaks to the regionalism of how we approach this uh, virus and the different information out there. But Kev, we might get NFL football on Saturdays as a result of this. I'm always trying to look for a silver lining. We go to the games that are still going on when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back in, everybody, here on the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Kevin and I, you know, talking about the mammoth story in college football and thus the NCAA. Kev, we continue to talk about it throughout the break, right? And just literally ask questions that have no answers yet. I, it's like we were in the pandemic. How are they going to do this? How are they going to do this? You know, and we really don't know. But the ripple effect is very, very big. We are lucky on this network to have experts that cover it from Joe Lisi to Rich Sermonello, our guy Mike Blewett. We will be bringing in those experts over the course of the next few days to continue this conversation. But, Kev, I, because, listen, by tomorrow, this story is going to be different. You know what I mean, right? Like, the Big Ten is already, you know, opted out. The Pac-12 has kind of postponed already. You've got the ACC. They've said they want to push forward but that they would be hesitant if multiple other power five conferences, right. Are like, nah, we don't want to do it. The big, you know, the big 12 is kind of on the fence, but looking like they're going to go. And the sec is like, come on in game of the week on CBS. Right. And you talked about this, like how players transferring eligibility requirements, honoring of scholarships, you know, all sorts of stuff that need to be unpacked. So keep an eye on this story. We will be watching this and continuing to talk about it. But Kev, I do want to get to the NBA, right? Because I think we had a huge day in the NBA yesterday. Okay. Yesterday, we started this show with that poll question. If you remember, right, who will be that eighth seed. We've talked about how Memphis was fading, how all these other teams are, have a lot to play for Phoenix still undefeated, right? Well, in essence, Kev, the outcomes that happened were like the perfect storm for chaos theory, right? And that's what we like here on sports grid on the early line. So Memphis lost to Boston, Right. As a lot of people thought they would, Memphis goes down 122 to 107 to Boston. Right. The other three teams all win. Kev San Antonio beats Houston 123 to 105. Phoenix remains undefeated in the bubble, beating Philly, a depleted 76ers team, 130 to 117. And then in a great game in the nightcap uh, yesterday, the Portland Trailblazers, led by Dame Dollars. 61 points after a 50 point outburst in his last game beat the Dallas Mavericks 134 to 131 in what was an amazing game. I mean, Kev, Dame Dollar stole the show, but Kristaps Porzingis looked really good in that one as well. But the Portland Trailblazers are not messing around. They continue to win. And after yesterday's action, Kev, they are now in the eighth seed, but all these teams with one left to play are right there for that nine spot and ultimately the play-in game. Yeah, I think one thing that you might make the argument, this play-in round, maybe it shouldn't just be this best of three with a one-game advantage to the team that's sat in the eighth spot. (laughs) Look at how close these teams are. I mean, it's a half game separating these four teams. Like, a true best of three, I think, would be very fair. But look, they're not going to be able to go back and change the rules. So. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Kev, right? I do think that is the case. And that's why I asked you a couple of days ago, right? I was like, what if it's so close? <laughs> Maybe it should have been eight versus nine and seven versus 10, you know, or whatever the case may be. But I got to tell you, I am warming on this Portland Trailblazers squad. When you think about it, they have all the indicators. You know, they, they have they have a, you know, all NBA closer 
in Damian Lillard, right? C.J. McCollum, who, by the way, Kevin, could not buy a bucket in last night's game, okay? But you got Dame Dollar, who can go for 60. He's done so three times, and we're just putting it up. That's on par with Wilt Chamberlain doing it that many times in a season. You know you got C.J. McCollum. And then in late-game situations, Kev, you also have Carmelo Anthony now. He had a good game last night. He has the ability to take any kind of shot, especially that good old mid-range jumper that has you know vanished from the NBA. I also think, listen, we talk, we talk about Lou Williams a lot. Okay. We talk about Lou mm-hmm. Williams a lot and the ingredient that he adds for that Clippers team. Maybe it's not a perfect comparison, but Kev. Gary Trent Jr. has gone off and plays that kind of energizing offensive role on the second unit too, right? No, Gary Trent Jr. has, you know, certainly made a name for himself here during this recent. I mean, Gary Trent Jr. was a game high plus 24 for the Portland Trailblazers. But I'm saying he has that scoring, legit scoring punch from off the bench, and maybe not to the extent of Lou Will, but, you know, being able to still have that kind of instant offense is a component of a contender. Look, I'm not trying to get hot takey here, but you might be better off having Gary Trent Jr. out there than Lou Will because he could also offer you okay. a little bit more defensively. Lou Will's going to get played sure. off the court in the playoffs. It happens every year. But like, like, just get ready for it. He's sure, even more reason to like Portland. No, but it's, it's, well, it's more reason to give Gary Trent Jr. his credit. But if we are talking defense, I will just say this about Portland, right? We talk about switches being flipped, right? Portland is playing with their lives on the line in this recent Yeah. And defensively, they are not going to find some other gear. And as I watch this game, give them credit. Mm. Give them credit. They've gotten themselves up to the eighth seed. They are in the driver's seat. Damian Lillard yeah. or Devin Booker, bubble MVP. The Suns might go unbeaten. I mean, TJ Warren, baby. Some... <laughs> TJ Warren got beat. Lady Lashino showed up against Jimmy Butler. He's beaten. That's now. true. Fucking make it That's a, true. That's team. true. <laughs> I, my, my thing with Portland, though, and it was it's not – Super similar to the Pelicans, but it is somewhat, right? Like, the Pelicans had their seasons on the line, and they defensively just never showed up. Now, Portland's able to outscore teams, and it works out fine for them because Damian Lillard goes out there and puts up 61. But I think that these right. are things that, at times, right, we will get kind of lost in the moment. For example, I will just say this, okay? Last okay. year, the Warriors swept the Blazers in the conference finals, Right. And ever, for, for, for so many people, they were like, yeah, they're going to go on and beat the Raptors. I was on the Raptors last year going into that series, okay? Now, obviously, mm. some injuries and different things tilted the way things panned out, right? But it was because the Warriors were down in all of those games. And, you, like, and Portland was nowhere near the level of that Toronto team. So if you kind right. of look past the flash and the excitement, you're like, there's a major flaw there. And if the, Bla- and if the Matt, or excuse me, the Blazers, are just going to keep giving up 120 on a regular basis. <laughs> well, that's an issue when you're going up against teams that can actually get defensive stops, like the Lakers, or if they were somehow to move on forward, like the Clippers and what have you. Yeah, listen, I don't disagree with you. I mean, Houston is trying to shove all in on the offensive side of the ball as well. And what we have seen, Kev, defense has been in short supply in the bubble. You know, so if Portland also has bad defense, right, like this side of Toronto, nobody's really playing lockdown defense 
in this bubble. We have seen a ton of high scores. I also believe they've got a front court now with Nurkic coming back, Hassan Whiteside, who, you know, he can get blocks. You've mentioned that he's prone to the mess up as well defensively. But, you know, guys like Zach Collins and the addition of Carmelo Anthony as a third legitimate scorer, a guy who is moving up the all-time ranks, in my opinion, does make this Portland Trailblazers team very, very interesting, especially because at a certain point in the game, it can become game time. Um, Phoenix, though. Not to be, it's hysterical, right? We're talking about Memphis sinking like a stone. We're talking about how Portland looks because of maybe the cachet and the name recognition of some guys like Lillard and Carmelo and CJ. But Phoenix continues to win. They are now 7-0 and in the bubble. San Antonio continues to win. They're doing this without LaMarcus Aldridge. They're doing this, you know, on the back of like Rudy Gay and like Patty Mills, for goodness sakes. And what about those two teams, Phoenix and San Antonio? They also, unlike Memphis, keep winning. But if Portland's in the driver's seat now for this eighth seed, you're going to even see, you know, what about San Antonio and Phoenix? I want to get your quick thoughts on that, but we'll talk about it much more during the break. One question I'll ask you, are you ready to cast Memphis aside? Do we now think it's these other three teams for these two spots? The answer, though, is no, because with all of this mm. happening at the back end of the West, I don't think any of it was the biggest story that took place in the NBA. And weirdly, Ooh. between Milwaukee and Washington, a meaningless game, we saw a, a pretty big thing happen. Okay. We'll talk about that because that Milwaukee team, I do believe, will face one of these teams at the bottom of the West and decide some of it as well. We're off and running. This is the early line, but let's get caught up on all the news and notes from overnight right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to Chris Wells for giving us all the news and notes there in the Sports Grid update. That's what we do, give you the edge here on Sports Grid. Kev, we looked at the bottom of the West, right? And we talked about what Portland is doing, what Phoenix is doing, even San Antonio, who's looking to make it to the playoffs for, I believe, the 23rd year in a row. But as you alluded to, and as we heard from Chris in the update, that may not be the biggest story in the NBA from last night. In that Milwaukee game, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the presumptive MVP, the reason the Bucs are still minus money to win the Eastern Conference, got into a little bit of an issue, and he may have to pay the Pied Piper in terms of his availability moving forward. Yeah, Giannis went full Shibata, headbutted Mo Wagner. Mo Wagner sold that thing uh, like an absolute dream, and Giannis got tossed from the game, automatic flagrant two, uh, and they were ejected. Now, it made no difference against this Wizards team. Uh, they still proceeded to you know, beat them handedly. The Wizards are terrible. We all know that. But it was the type of move that has people thinking about uh, a suspension, and not just uh, for their final game, but maybe even into the playoffs. But really, hmm. right now, all we can worry about is that final game because one of the biggest questions right now that we're waiting on an answer for will be what Milwaukee Bucks team do the Memphis Grizzlies have to face in their final right. game? Because, right. listen, you look at this Grizzlies team, they got absolutely no prayer 
against the full Milwaukee team. They just don't, okay? We saw the Celtics went out there against them. And remember, we talked about that game quite a bit, okay? Was there injuries? Was there uh, motivation? Celtics played the game and they ran them off the court. No problems, no questions. Memphis needs people to be sitting out. But Middleton and Bledsoe had just sat out this past game. So if those guys right. are back, we'll... Uh, you know, Bud wanted to sit them again. Again, the meaning, the game is totally meaningless for Memphis, but a potential blessing for them in that Giannis might be already a guarantee to be absent for the game. Let me ask you this, Kev, because I think you, you, you're you getting to an incredible point, not only for that game, but for literally every game left in the NBA restart schedule, right? Um, mm-hmm. The idea of motivation that's involved. It feels like the last week of the regular season. It feels like week 17 of an NFL season where some teams have everything in front of them to play for and others to borrow a phrase from Paul George are one, two Cancun on three, right? So what Mm. does that mean as a sports investor? Okay. We're here on the early line. For example, Kev, you made the point. We've got four games in the NBA today. None of them have a total post, right? And that's gotta be because As we look at these games, maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room in the standings, tiebreaker season series. Maybe we can hop over for something like six, seven or four or five. But this is not the bottom of the West where we're fighting to get into that play in round. Right. We're we're Mm -hmm. maybe fighting to potentially flip flop a series that you may see them in the first round. Anyway, there's very little wiggle room. The playoff picture besides the bottom of the West is pretty much coming into focus. So my question for you is, in general, and then we'll take it to task with specific games, are you going to try to get ahead of this motivation availability kind of puzzle and get ahead of it for value? Or is that a deterrent for you to playing these games? I think it should be more so a deterrent for people. If you know, for I don't really know a world where you will need to bet on these games. Uh, it is not a world <laughs> that I can, you know, personally attest to. But think about it like this, okay? The only sport I feel as if when, when people bet preseason, you're like, yeah, I, I get it, right? Will be like the NFL. And it'll be like preseason week one because everybody's super excited. But like, all right, come on, like, cut out your bet. Which, by the way, would have kicked off tomorrow. Preseason yeah. week one would start tomorrow in a normal situation. But I digress. Yeah, well, I wonder why that's not happening. It certainly has nothing to do with what's going on in this world. Um, but look, I think, you know, you have to think about this. You're betting on preseason games. Like the Kings and the Pelicans played, okay? And it is probably the only game that, I, I mean, I didn't watch a second of. I don't know the box score. I can't tell you who did well, who did poorly. The game was meaningless. They probably shouldn't have even right. played it, honestly. Because there's... There, they couldn't move forward. They couldn't move down. You cannot have your draft position improved. Like, they probably shouldn't have even played the game. Now, these games here kind of, that's not, the same is not true necessarily. Okay, the Sixers can still catch the Pacers. The Pacers could technically still catch the Heat. The right. Nuggets can actually catch the Clippers who they're playing straight up. But do any of these teams care enough about those things? I- I'm not sure that that's necessarily true because that's the motivation on one side right the potential for that small hop in positioning if everything goes right with only two games left to play the other side are the benefits of things like resting your players 
healing up injuries, yeah. uh, getting the rotation to be more solidified, right? Trying out a new play or scheme, right? And I think most of these coaches would think the benefits of those kinds of things outweigh the benefits of risking it, blowing out your stars, injury risk, all that other stuff, for the, maybe the potential to maybe tie the team in sixth place. You know what I mean? So on balance, I do think coaches are making the decisions to be pretty yeah. lighthearted. I will say this in the, and we don't talk about that much here on this show, at least there's a lot of opportunity then Kevin in the DFS world. Okay. Over at our partners on FanDuel, right? Cause they still got to hang the dollar values of these players. But for example, when you know, uh, you know, four members of the Brooklyn Nets aren't playing or of the Utah jazz, then some of these bench players become incredible values because of their minutes, their usage, and at the prices they are in, at least in the daily fantasy world, right, Kev? Yeah, no, that's a very, very good point. You know, for example, uh, yesterday, Giannis's over-under was 22.5 for his points prop. Now, he obviously gets tossed, but the sure. point I bring that up is that's about seven points off where his points props usually are because they're like, ah, he's probably not going to play. But that now means that you can go and get value elsewhere Right, right with that Milwaukee Bucks lineup. And that, of course, then can be applicable here today. T.J. Warren already ruled out in this Pacers game against the Rockets. Ah. Okay, but how high can they truly put you know, these guys' pricing number for yeah, uh, DFS? Prop bets, it also right. works in the props market, right? And that's the other way. And maybe that'll be the best way to attack some of these games for people. Now, you know, we're not going to really have enough concrete information, I think, to attack the prop markets here on the early line. Mm -hmm. and, and the other piece of motivation, though, is like, and we've seen this, you can find a good edge. Joe Ingles played a game against the Spurs where the Jazz were totally like, yeah, look, this doesn't matter to us. And his over-under was only 14 and a half, and he scored 12 points in the first half, and the thing was a lock, and it was a great play, and he didn't play the whole second half. So you run the risk of these things still. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you also mentioned, right, there's no totals on the board. That speaks to the uncertainty around availability as well. But you did mention that Indiana-Houston game. That's where we will start for the games that are on the slate. We don't have a total per se, but when this game goes off at 4 o'clock Eastern time later this afternoon, the Rockets will be 7 point favorites against these Pacers. TJ Warren was hot, but then he ran up against Jimmy Butler, who apparently isn't in his league. Do you think he bounces back in this one against Houston? Or would you take the Pacers plus the seven points? Yeah, so again, we've already seen TJ Warren ruled out. We've got Bron oh, Depot go. all questionable. And there it is. the Rockets have a game where uh, Harden did not play his last go-around uh, against the Spurs. So, you know, this is a team on the back-to-back, -back, so you'd expect Harden to be out there because he doesn't like days off really even that right. much. So if you're ball playing this ball. one, yeah, I'd, I'd rather lay the seven with the Rockets, who should be able to go out there and beat up on Justin and Aaron Holiday and have their way. But, you know, because Miles Turner's questionable. It looks like this is going to be a big rest game for the Pacers. So, sure, I'll lay seven. All right, fair enough. I have a similar question for you for Toronto and Philly. Toronto with absolutely nothing to play for. They are locked in the two spot. Philly is currently in the sixth spot. I guess they're a game behind Indy. So I guess it's 
possible for them to flip-flop yeah. at the same kind of situation here. No total on the board. We know there's no Simmons. We know there's probably no Embiid for the Sixers either. When a total does come up, are you just taking the under? You know, because Toronto mm. trying to maybe play play in defense, locking up a um, a less than fully staffed Sixers squad who has not looked good. You know, I think that that's that, that's an interesting way to approach this game. You got to remember, so Philly got on the heels of a back to back. They did not play Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford. All of them sat out. How hard does Philly want to press for a potential win here? Tough to say. Raptors with a bit of rest advantage, but that's also true. Kind of what I just said for Philly, where Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, Serge Ibaka, none of them had played right. a Monday matchup. So you got to think that maybe they play, but Pascal Siakam and Marcus Saul maybe take the day off here. I mean, yeah, we're we're talking about an exhibition game. We just are. Philly doesn't care enough about getting up to the five spot. This home court advantage isn't a real thing. Plus, they probably would rather play Boston than Miami in round one. Maybe some people might laugh at that, but I think that's true, and I think they're correct in their uh, you know breakdown of who they have a better chance against. So, again, like I'll lean Toronto with Lowry back, and they just I trust them to care more, even though they shouldn't care more. Right? No, I think that makes sense, right? Because when you think of Toronto, you think of like blue chip professional team when you think about philly you think kind of the exact opposite so if i have to trust one of them to take it seriously bring their full effort and represent themselves well i agree with you it would be the toronto raptors it's interesting you know even when we bring in guys like carver and and cam and george they were talking about those hockey games right with the teams one through floor four being like glorified scrimmages and we may enter that realm in the NBA as well. A couple more games to talk about. We have Major League Baseball on the horizon, and we've got Cam Stewart later on today on this show to talk golf and hockey, all that and more. Keep it locked. More of the early line up after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on Sports Grid to the early line where we put fun and functional sports content. I'm Dane Martinez, my main man, live and direct, Kevin Walsh as well, helping us give you winners, have a great start to your day, and be a little bit more profitable. But, Kev, we're finding it very hard to figure out because handicapping the motivation of some of these teams who have, even if you're in the playoffs, have little to play for with the idea of resting your players or getting your lineups and rotations right as the other benefit, we don't know that we're going to see full-on efforts from teams uh, in these games, unless they're at the bottom of the West or really have something to play for. I do want to challenge that theory, though. The Clippers and the Nuggets are playing later tonight. The Clippers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. And, you know, if you look to the standings, the Clippers have a game-and-a-half on the Nuggets on the, for the 2-3 seed. Remember, if they were to play in a Western Conference semis, it's not like one team would have home court advantage over the other in a 2-3 matchup. But I want to ask it to you like this. 
The Clippers are a very uh, veteran-laden team, shall we say, right? They're going about their business. Doc Rivers, Kawhi Leonard, they've been there before. The same, I, while I say that, that the core of the Denver Nuggets has been there before, the Murrays, the Jokic, the Millsaps of the world, this is a team specifically with, you know, Porter Jr., Bull Bull, other pieces being added. Could it be more meaningful for a team like Denver to be hot? to have momentum, to have that victory in hand against the Clippers, just for their own uh, perception, just for the moral victory of it all, just for them to feel like they are on the ascent going into the playoffs. Is that kind of momentum maybe more important for a team like Denver that wasn't thought of as a huge favorite like the Clippers? Is there more on the line for Denver to kind of hit the ground running and be hot as they enter the playoffs? Yeah, I think you can make that argument, but this is the one spot where if you want to talk about motivation, do the Clippers look to send a message as to what is now going to right. potentially be their round two matchup against Denver? This is the other right. question that looms, I think, as well. Will the Clippers look to play anybody in their final game? Will the Lakers look to play anybody in that final game number eight? Because then you are giving yourself a little bit of a layoff to where are you now going to maybe only go 24 minutes for these final two games, get your cardio in, get your work in, but we're not pushing it. And, that, and Dane, these are just unanswerable questions right now. We just do not know. Right. So, you know, for Denver, look, Denver had their bench guys play the entirety of the fourth quarter against the Lakers. So, you know, Jokic and Murray and, and what have you, right. they should be ready to go for this game, but if the Clippers were locked in, you take them and, you know, with four and a half. And I think that's another question here as well. Do we feel as if this four and a half is in line with where it would be if they then are matched up in round number two? I don't know. I, I, so I don't know. Th there's so many question marks here. Uh, you know, maybe you just take the plus money. Maybe you just take the, the points and hope that you're closing the game out against Patrick. Uh, at Patterson and Terrence Mann right. as opposed to Kawhi and Paul George because I'll take Denver's bench unit, I I guess, because Montrezl Harrell and, and those guys are part of the bench unit right now for the Clippers. Again, it's it's a messy game, and I hate this. I want to give you know you guys a level of an edge here. but yeah, Stop having and hawing here, Ken. Come on, stop riding the fence. We're, we're breaking down exhibition games. That's what it is. I you know, like I – I, for the first time last night, I asked myself, and I said, oh, maybe eight wasn't the right number. Now, I actually think it was, because in the, in the spots where it matters, eight was the right, like, we're seeing that. Eight's a strong number, yeah. but unfortunately, it does set up this world where we've got a lot of meaningless basketball being played. Yeah, but, Because they you don't know, care Kevin, about think... the seating. Right. Just, sorry but to Kevin, jump back in. Like... Good. No, I'm just saying, because they obviously don't care about the seeding. Like, Clippers Nuggets here, you should be like, oh, look, Denver could catch them, the Clippers, Thunder, that's not an easy... They don't care. They don't care. No, absolutely, and that's what I said. The only thing I would say is, you know, the idea of that eight games was at the right number. Kev, if they did six, the last two, you would have still gotten to this point. At some point, yep. you would have gotten to the mm -hmm. stage, right, where teams were, in essence, locked in. So these last two, maybe three, maybe one, depending on how the games played out, would have always had this little wrinkle. Let me ask you about this one 
last game on the slate tonight. It is in the 8 o'clock Eastern time slot here, Miami, Oklahoma City. You know, again, no total. But you mentioned like, hey, maybe I'll just take the points. Maybe I'll just take the plus money. This is the shortest number on the board. The shortest, to- um, yeah. you know, spread on the board, only a point and a half. The Thunder are favorites. They're at minus 120. The Heat come back. If you're on the theory of, well, let me just take the plus money. I'm cool with that. Hmm. But it's only plus 102 for the Heat coming back the other way. Ironically enough, though, this is the game where I, I feel as if you can best understand why the line looks the way it does. The Thunder, their last go around, sat a lot of their guys. So you would mm-hmm. think Shea Gilgis Alexander and Steven Adams and Danilo Gallinari are available. And the Heat, in their last go-around, not only played, but actually cared seemingly about their game and blew the doors off the Pacers in the second half. So I think a lean towards OKC makes all the sense in the world. I also think there's a world where Chris Paul just doesn't play in this game because he did play a little <laughs> bit in their last game out, and that could shift the line. If you had to pick one, though, uh, I guess OKC because you would trust their guys being available more maybe than Miami? Maybe. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you're throwing your hands up. We got, uh, when we talked about the glorified scrimmages in the hockey world, right? People are like, I I don't know, right? So obviously when we talk about mid-level bowl games, right, in college football, uh, people are like, "Ah, I don't know if these teams are going to be motivated to be there. Um, But again, to recap our top story, that's why I bring up college football, Kev, it doesn't look like we're going to see college football in the way that we know it this year with the Big Ten deciding to postpone, the Pac-12 deciding to postpone. And let me ask you this real quick about that. They're saying they're postponing. Do you think that that's just a misnomer to kick the can down the road and ultimately cancel? Because you mentioned it, right? With the draft going on, with the mass exodus of players and or universities we may have, was that their way to just like be soft about it and maintain hope? But at the end of the day, we kind of know how this story is going to end. Um, Two of the major five conferences, other universities like UConn and UMass have already decided that they're saying, no, Kev, like we are not going to see college football in the way that we know about it this year. The only question is if this is like the pebble that drops in the pond that creates the ripple effect of the complete unraveling of the entire Mm. NCAA as we know it. And I know that maybe sounds a little bit dramatic, but I honestly would put it as a 50-50 shot. If we ever see NCAA sports in the same construct ever again, okay, Kev, I think it's going to be, in essence, this is the opportunity to tear it down, to be built back up in a different format, in a different likeness, in a different image. Yeah, the players right now probably feel more empowered than they ever have because they have uh, a little bit of leverage in spots where you wouldn't expect. Right. They also are, you know, looking towards you know the big times, and they're seeing these guys use their voice and use their platforms and get their right. ways in ways that we also have not seen. Uh, of course, we're you know talking about paying guys, and you know this only complicates those situations more and more and more. And again, just from an individual perspective of this standalone season, like if we go forward with just the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC. All right, well, Clemson now is automatically in the playoffs, as if that was going to be a question. Bam is already in. Okay, cool. Right? So now Oklahoma is probably going to be in, too. All right, cool. Like, you know what? Like, because now yeah. you're, you're taking out the Big 10 in the running. You're taking out the Pac-12. Like, so 
And will people feel as if we're crowning? Like, are we going to do asterisks now too? Like, what happens with with all of that? Like, just the integrity, and that'll be, I guess, one thing, Dane, that we can start to, you know, who knows? Maybe we will actually have to kind of break this stuff down. But I know people always talk about right. Penn State whiteout games. You get, you know, five points for home field advantage. Right, right, to LSU at night and stuff, right? Right, and it's just like, well, there's nobody there. Does this matter? Like. You know, and I also think there's a. I'll tell you this: if we do play right, the college football experts will become more valuable than ever because sure. we don't know enough about college football rosters. Unless you are a Joe Lisi or a Shermanello, oh, yeah. nobody oh, yeah. knows enough about the college football rosters. Where a couple of guys test positive, and a couple of guys miss out, mm-hmm. and now we're heading into a matchup between Florida and Texas A and M. And the, these are the guys who be like, hey, by the way, the whole offensive line is out. And you're like, oh, right. so that's why this is what it is. Fantastic. And then you have to go on and, and bet Florida because the, the reality is, Dane, as much as I can sit here and say this is ridiculous that these other conferences are acting as if they have different doctors and whatever you want to say, if they are going to push forward, we're going to look to break these games down. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, and I make the point here with the NFL, or we've talked about it for the NBA already. How do you compare, right, like the impact of Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo on one side, right, versus like Montrez Harrell on the other, or in football, you know, two offensive linemen on one side with, you know, a D end, a starting cornerback, and their backup and their second wide receiver out on the other? You know, and when you may be able to think about that in football and start to try to piece it together, to your point, these college rosters, you know, we have no idea about some of these kids we've never seen before. We don't know. So, yes, it will be huge. And the other thing I think about, remember, there's ripple effect questions that we can talk about until the cows come home. And we will do so with Mike Blewett tomorrow on the show. But another thing I'm thinking about, you know how... Some Major League Baseball players decided to opt out after they saw what was going on in MLS Mm -hmm. or on other Major League Baseball teams. Those are professionals, Kev. What if you're a college kid in the, you know, who goes to Ole Miss or, or, or goes to Florida State and you're like, wait a second, the Big Ten is canceling? The Pac 12 is canceling? That means this is serious. Now, I, as a player, am like, not chill. I'm not doing this. I'm going home. There's going to be a ton of opt-outs, even from the schools and the teams, universities that are playing. This is going to be a cluster F. And much like the country, I think it stems from the fact that there is no universal cover-all policy, leadership, voice on this, Kev. Well, think about this from from that player's perspective, where if they're like, ah, man, this does not feel safe. I want to go home. But I really don't have a choice here, do I? Because I have to play in order to get to that contract. Like Lorenzo Cain got his contract with the Brewers. Yeah. But but what what does that starting DB do when he has to go out there and play? That way he can get to a contract in the NFL. So that's the – and that's part of the – You want to know my real answer? The real answer is you call Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right, and be like, hey, one of our XFL tryouts. Sure, but, but, you know, listen, at the end of the day, these guys have, you know, been dreaming their whole lives to be able to make it to the XFL. Plus, do we know that the, like, 
Do we know that the XFL no, we don't. But I'm saying the same way the G League, the same way the G League has become another path for kids that don't want to mess with the NCAA, course, right? Maybe there's another path. Maybe there's an opportunity here somewhere. But I digress. There are certainly, Kev. More questions than answers when it comes to this. We are lucky on this network to be able to bring in guys like Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, our guy Mike Blewett, to continue to talk about it, and we will. However, when we come back in a couple of minutes before the top of the hour, Kev, here in American Team Sports, a champion was crowned last night. Talk about that and how it continue to crown a champion in the same sport over in Europe. Real quick, we'll be coming back right here. Purely live. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here, putting the fun and functional sports content. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kevin, if you were in the city of Portland last night, you had a big night. You know what I mean? Dame Dollar dropped 61 for your Blazers as they look live in the Western Conference. And if you're a Portland sports fan, your Portland Timbers defeated Orlando 2-1 to in the finals of the MLS's back tournament. They take home the trophy, and Kev, with it, they get a CONCACAF Champions League spot for next year. That is impressive. They certainly you know, have momentum as the MLS season resumes. We didn't get the penalty kicks like our guy Tom Bogart suggested. It was tied 1-1, then a late goal from Portland for them to take down the tourney. Congratulations to them. It is great to see that this tournament was able to finish for yeah. the champion. And I think it, it, I, I can't help but ask this question, though. Uh, do we now trust bubbles or do we still have to wait every Friday for the next round of testing to trust what yeah. we're doing here? Because we have the TBT that finished. No problem. Right. We have now the LS that finished. We have the NHL, the NBA rolling forward and consistently no positive tests popping up. You know, do we look at this now and say that bubbles are an undeniable, successful way to put forward sports? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the bubbles are, in fact, working, right? The, uh, unfortunately, the other part of any equation in the bubble or out of the bubble, Kev, is the personal accountability and responsibility of human beings and the athletes, right? And that is the other piece that can compromise a bubble or an outdoor sport that's trying to travel. But absolutely, you get a better chance in the bubble for sure. We're even seeing the Dallas Cowboys trying to implement a bubble in their team hotel. The New Orleans Saints doing the same thing and will have a perfect test case when the MLS then now resumes their regular season in home markets with travel and all that, ironically, being started this week by FC Dallas and Nashville, the two teams who were not okay in the bubble champions league also going on in europe we'll talk about that throughout the week as well psg versus alanta more on the early line hour number two coming up (laughs) 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.